Hey, how are you? It's Atomic Radio Hour Time, episode 120. That's so many. I'm your host, Vince. And I am your um, back-at-home host, Olive. And we're also here with um, with a friend of ours. Would you like to introduce yourself, sir? What up? It's your Boyd. Uh, you know, Red Tooth or whatever. But, you know, I am also go by a name, Chris. That's what was given to me when I was born. How, how did that go for you? Yeah, um, I don't really birth. remember Tell much of it. But mm-hmm. I'm assuming it was an okay experience. I mean, I'm here, so couldn't have been that how bad. How would you rate it? On a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being the worst, 10 being the best. Um, 10. Because, okay, cool, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. What's new, everybody? How's everybody's weeks been? I've had a crazy week, yo. Yo, you want to tell us about it? I'll tell you guys a little bit. I'll give you the cliff notes. Yeah, do tell me a little so, bit about it. My roommate that... um that me and my my close friend that I live with uh, didn't know all too well. Uh, her boyfriend broke into our house and uh, concaved our steel door and uh, broke our window and air conditioner. So um, I've been all week working with the cops and the landlord, and it's been exhausting. This is my first day home in like five days. I've been staying at a friend's house until the door got fixed. Wow. Crazy. Oh, and another interesting thing happened. While I was on my way to stay at my my friend's house, I don't know if I told you this, Vince, but while we were on our way, we were just, like, driving down the road, and then a pregnant lady jumps out in front of us. No! Yeah, she was trying to kill herself. No! She was tr- no fucking yeah, way! She was trying, yeah, she was trying to commit suicide, and we could tell because she jumped out in front of us and just stared at us and, like, looked like she was scared. And, like, wouldn't move. And then she just slowly backed away and then tried to do it again to the car behind us. No fucking way! So we called the cops on her and said, hey, there's this pregnant lady trying to off herself on on X um, Street. No fucking Um, way! And that was, like, the last straw. At that point, I went home and I... Or I went to my friend's apartment. I opened a bottle of wine and watched anime until the sun came up. That's so fun. How could I... How do you not tell me that? Because I wanted to tell you on the show. Holy fuck, that's fucking... (laughs) How far along was was she? Like, she was visible, so like... Like seven or eight months. (laughs) Easily. (laughs) So how was your week? (laughs) (laughs) Did your friend hit her at all? Like, did she nick her no, with the no, car? No. Her her brakes were just replaced, so we didn't even touch her. <laughs> but we were going fast enough that if she hadn't had her brakes just replaced, it would have been that. Oh my god! Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> I can't make this shit up. I, I swear can only to imagine god. what was going at through that first- woman's head. I'm not gonna lie. At first, this sounded like it was a joke, and then, but like I this can tell now that you're like you're serious right now. Like this really happened. This is not a joke. This really happened. And Holy this this shit. wasn't in Florida. No, this was in the state of New York. G. Willikers, Batman. What do you think was going through that woman's head? Um, probably that life was too overwhelming and. uh 
that it was her time and she was going to release herself on her own recognizance and take her baby with her. Did did the other car hit her? No, I don't think so. Okay, so I know what went through her head when she went home. Hi, everybody. I'm Vince. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm, I think I said this. I'm Olive. <laughs> uh, that's fucking nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. Wow. Like, I can only imagine she's just like, wow, I can't even do that right. Like, it's <laughs> 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 fucking crazy. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Um, she looked like she was having a nervous breakdown. Holy shit. Welcome to America. We don't take care of them mentally unwell. Um, let's see. Chris, you do anything fun? Um, yeah, I, I, I play a lot of Fallout and other video games and such. Yeah. Um, I'm playing right now. I'm actually doing like GameCube throwbacks. So I'm Ooh. trying to oh, cool. like 100% NBA Street Volume 2 right now. Having Tight. a blast doing that. Um, but yeah, another thing I really, really love doing is I love playing. I, I play this game. It's like Fallout D&D um, yes. with my friends. Dude, it's... Oh my gosh. We've Could been you tell doing us a little it, bit about it? Dude, we've been doing it for years. And um, my friend Olive, like, like created the system. And, like, yeah. it's... And, oh. It's, like, it's like a comfy, like, D&D, like, the whole, like experience of it but in the fallout world would you say it's based on 5e uh yeah yeah i would actually like that's because that's what i've mostly played and yeah it's basically i I, it translates pretty well for me and yeah i'm pretty simple would you also say that that you can listen to it on the atomic radio hour youtube channel you know i would say that I would say that, and I would say that, yeah, one should definitely, if they have not heard the episodes, they should definitely give them a listen, because there's a story going on, too, and there's some intense shit going on, and, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next, but, uh, you know, I want to know, so I'd, I'd Qu- stay tuned. The next one is, the, let, uh, before Vince uh, does this, the next one is still <laughs> in pro- shut the fuck up, uh, the, next one is, the next one is still in progress. I have had a. I've been having a very stressful. <laughs> my semester is kind of coming to a close. I'm in the final month, so it, this ep- the, the October episode is going to be late. It'll probably be an uh, early November episode. It okay. Uh, it has to go out before my birthday. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You said absolutely about this one being out by the thirtieth. Well, I didn't expect my house to get broken into and me to lose access to my editing machine for a week, so... Well, you know what? Maybe you should have hit the pregnant woman. Maybe I should have. Maybe you should have. Well, I wasn't the one driving, so... (laughs) Obviously. Should have got out and beat her. No. (laughs) That's fucking crazy. Chris? Oh, my God. What is this? Could you tell us a little bit... uh, Can you tell us a little more about this? What's the name of this this program? This what? I'm sorry? this this program this this the show that you're a part of that you play what what was it Dun- dungeons and dragons but with a fallout spin oh yes and we came up with this name it's called atomic tabletop okay atomic radio hour is the name of the show and uh-huh. uh you can uh give that a ring a ding and uh you know listen to that and uh watch that and uh you know be pretty well amazed so uh my editing is exquisite. 
Yeah. Okay. I it's mean, it would, a month. it would be more exquisite <laughs> if it didn't take you three months to edit an episode. It doesn't ever take three months. It takes like two and a half. 40, it takes 45 days. <laughs> okay, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> listen, um, listen. Gold takes a little while to cook. All right. To produce gold, it takes a little while. You can't rush amazing things. You either wait, let. We're turning coal into diamonds here. You, right, exactly. You It either takes time to get something good or, you know, rather than wait for it to grow on its own, you jump into traffic and try to let traffic deal with your problem for you. And we've all seen how that goes, so. <laughs> so this is episode uh, 120. That's so many. That's a lot. Um, the past few weeks, uh, we've been trying to do, except for last week, we've been, tr- and the week before that, because things got a little fucky wucky. Um, we've fucky been trying to wucky. do the protagonists, all the protagonists from the mainline Fallout games, and we've kind of come to the last one with a real protagonist, uh, because 76 is so open ended that it's supposed to be you, and I don't know you. I don't know your story. I bet it's great. Yeah. I bet there's highlights. I bet there's low lights. I bet there's a lot of just kind of sitting around waiting for a lot of things. I feel like that's a lot of life for a lot of people. But I don't know you. Uh, so I can't tell your story. Um, if you would like to hear a story that's being told, if you wi- if you really wish that 76 had story, our friend Ken, who does uh, Chad, is the closest mm. thing you're really going to get to that. Oh, that's an excellent program. Uh, absolutely. The sound design is phenomenal. If, if you take nothing else away from that show... Uh, great characters, great writing. The sound design is where it's at. Um, we have to talk about the sole survivor, and it's no—it's no surprise here if you've listened to more than one episode. Um, we have a—we have our our bingo, our theoretical bingo sheet, and on there somewhere is Vince complains about Fallout Four, and we bring up Kyle, and. Uh, I'm honestly surprised. That's a staple of every episode. Yeah, I'm surprised we made it this far without talking about Kyle. Um, I love that man. I fucking love Kyle. I want to hold Kyle. I just want to tell him how special he is to me. Um, I want to be but, like him when I grow up. <laughs> uh, but we have. Aren't you to older talk. than Kyle? What's up? Aren't you older than Kyle, Chris? Yeah, but I still want to be like him when I grow up. <laughs> I, I understand. Um, we have to talk about the Soul Survivor. We have to talk about uh, Mr. Voice McGee. And I'm going to bitch and moan, piss wine and complain a little bit Mm -hmm. because that's just who I am. But then we're going to talk to Chris about some stuff. So I'm just going to go. I'm just going to read. You guys ready? Wait, before you get into it, uh, the reason that we have our our very good friend Chris here is because he's our resident Fallout 4 expert. Well, and let me clarify, actually, because I would not consider myself an expert, actually, by any means. I'm really just like a f- big fan who just is such a big fan that I happen to know a lot about the game only because I played it through Fallout 4 like 15 times. So if that makes That's me an expert, and I, combined. <laughs> I don't think that makes me an expert, but if it makes me close enough to an expert for this, for this, e- for this evening, for this show, then like I'm all for it. So you've played this game more than anybody I know. I mean, mm-hmm. I've played it more than anybody I know, too. <laughs> so, I'm just going to jump right into it, like I do with with the protagonist. I'm reading straight from fallout.fandom.com, where I get all of my lore. <clears throat> the sole survivor 
is either a male retired from the U.S. Army or uh, named Nate or a female law school graduate, according to the pre-war records of, of the lookout. At the USS Constitution, Nate served in the 2nd Battalion, 108th Infamy Regiment, while his wife Nora was a lawyer. At some point, that's at the most scene likely of- infantry. What's up? You said infamy. That was probably infantry. Oh, it was infantry. Sorry, <laughs> that's a slip in the key of Freudian right there. Um, at some point during the Sino-American War, the sole survivor married had a son named Sean, and bought a robotic butler named Cogsworth on October 23rd, which fuck- Oh, this is our Great War episode! Oh, shit! It is! Yeah, happy Great War, everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's gonna release, like, what, two days after the Great War, I think? The di- the Great- I think it's Friday. So it's gonna- Friday, the 24th. so it'll be a day after. So, yeah. hey, everybody, mazel, only another- Fucking, what, 60, 70 years? No, I'm stupid. Fucking 50 years, 57 years until we all get to perish. Um, Thank God, honestly. I know, right? I'm fucking tired of this place. <laughs> On October 23rd, 2077, the sole survivor was pre- preparing for an event at the Veterans Hall in Concord. While a Vault-Tec representative approached the family with pre-approved papers... A lot of alliteration there. For access into Vault 111. Moments later, a newsreader announced that nuclear detonations were being reported, forcing the sole survivor and their family to rush into Vault 111. They were sealed in cryogenic stasis under the pretense of being decontaminated by vault scientists. The sole survivors kept almost undisturbed in this state from 2277 to 2287. In 2227, the sole survivor and their spouse are awakened by two seen unknown individuals and one off-screen who opened the spouse's cryogenic tube with the intent of kidnapping Sean. Though conscious, the sole survivor is trapped in their cryogenic pod and is powerless to do anything but watch their spouse be shot and their child abducted by two mysterious figures. The sole survivor is refrozen, awaking in 2287 and escaping the cryogenic tube. Learning that they are the sole survivor of Vault 111, the sole survivor emerges from the vault and vows to avenge their spouse's death and locate their son, Sean. Uh, the male voice actor is Brian T. Delaney, and the female voice actor is Courtney Taylor. Uh, returning to their original home, the sole survivor arrives in Sanctuary Hills, which is now ruined from the bomb's blast. When they meet the distraught Cogsworth, revealing that the sole survivor is over 200 and, and, sorry, and reveals to the sole survivor that over 210 years have passed since they were frozen in the vault. Also telling the player character to go to Concord for help. The sole survivor then meets Preston Garvey, one of the last Minutemen in the Commonwealth, Commonwealth, and assists him with protecting settlers from a group of raiders and a deathclaw. Because at level two, you should be given a minigun, power armor, to, and fight, to a, fight death a deathclaw. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Just give me a minute. Please love our game. <laughs> <laughs> After helping hey, look, Garvey, our fancy and... new death claw um, uh, model, you can kill it. Yeah, you know it scales <laughs> with you. So if you just leave and don't come back to your forty, like it, you'll fight like a really strong death claw. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I I didn't I did know that actually, and I love that. 
After helping Garvey and his group, the player character is instructed to go to Diamond City, a settlement based on Fenway Park, where they meet Piper Wright, the best companion in the game. Uh, the city's reporter who tells the player character to seek out the city's detective, Nick Valentine, who is revealed to have been missing two weeks prior to the Soul, Soul Survivor's arrival in Diamond City. After finding Valentine, they identify the location of their spouse's killer, a man named Connie Kellogg. Tracking him. Do we do an episode on Kellogg? We've talked about Kellogg before. I don't think we've actually done one dedicated to him. He's Kellogg's the man. It, He's from San it, Francisco. It would be... It would be awfully helpful if uh, I uploaded all the lore so I could just search it. Wow, you said it before me. <laughs> uh, you're on top of it tonight. Yeah, uh, he has like mm -hmm. ties to the she. I think that's when we last talked about him was the she. Yeah. Oh, we he... also talked about him when we talked about um, um, the DLC, the foggy one. Far Harbor? Yes, that one. We I think I... we mentioned him in that episode. I don't know why, but I wanted to say Far Harbor like JFK. Do, can you please give me a sample of that? Uh, Fahaba. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad ever happens to the Kennedys. God damn it, dude. I've been. Somebody call Bobby. <laughs> dude, when I'm at work and, like, no one's around, I'm like, I must complete a task and then call Marilyn. Like. <laughs> Have you done that for my dad? I, I haven't. I just started, like, doing a JFK voice. I. Somebody call my secretary. Wait, who is the who is somebody get Lyndon B. Johnson on the phone? We're going to do cocaine in the Oval Office. <laughs> it's not it's not good to make yourself laugh, but it makes me hey, laugh. If you can't make if you can't make yourself laugh, then what's the point? All right, so Connie Kellogg uh, tracking him down. Kellogg reveals that Sean is in the Institute, a secretive organization feared by the people of the Commonwealth that is based below the ruins of the Commonwealth Institute of Technology, or CIT. The player character then kills Kellogg and retrieves a cybernetic implant from his brain. You can't not kill Kellogg. Yeah, I think that's the that's not. the wackest shit. You can't play a pacifist in Fallout 4. I don't think you can. Like, yeah, there's like no way. The only way to like not directly kill Kellogg is by like cheese literally cheesing the engine. Uh I could be wrong I when mean, I say this, but yeah. Early on, I remember talking to Mama Murphy, and she's like, give me some of that good shit, honey, and I'll fucking tell you what you want. And I was like, here's some drugs, whore. <laughs> she was like, thanks. <laughs> and uh, she tells you the code to turn off the courser. Like, you uh -oh. know when you have to go get the courser chip? Yeah. She tells you the code to turn off the courser's brain and shut him down. That's really cool. So because... You can do that through, like, a lot of the game, if I understand correctly. But if you do it too much, you kill her. Yeah, because she does OD at some point. So so Marcy Long is an essential NPC, but Mama Murphy isn't. Also, Mama Murphy's concept art is way cooler. She was, like, sitting in a yeah. robot. I have or, the, uh, the art book back, yeah. um, back home, but I don't have it with me. Damn it. But yeah, her concept art is so much cooler than what they ended up using. It's either it's either an old uh, Mr. Handy or it's an iBot, and it's way fucking cooler because she would float around. Yeah, I think it's an old Mr. Handy. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, but... <coughs> excuse me. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you can, like, go to Kellogg and be like, execute order 
17.05.9 Grandma Edition, and he just goes, and shuts off. Wait, whoa, 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 Kellogg? Yeah, because he's like part sent. I'm not saying that you can do this. Yeah. I don't know if you can do this. Wait. I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised, but then again, this game was so far removed from an RPG, they gave you a fucking voiced protagonist. All right, all right, get back to the lore. After some consultation with Nick and Piper, they had to good neighbor where they first encountered John Hancock, the self-appointed ghoul mayor of the town, and get help from Dr. Amari, a scientist skilled in neuroscience. The doctor assists the sole survivor in viewing the dead mercenaries' memories and discovering that the Institute uses teleportation as the means of travel between their facilities and the surface. During their hunt for Kellogg, the survivor also witnesses the arrival of the Brotherhood of Seal in an airship called the Pridwin, which becomes their mobile airship headquarters. Imagine being a doctor who's skilled in neuroscience in the wasteland. No anesthetic. I was just thinking about that. Where do you get that that knowledge? How do you get that? How do you practice? Yeah. Like, you can't just, like, get a feral, time to a table, uh, and, like, all right, let's yeah, see if it like works. some brains out, right? Yeah. Where do you get the qualifications? Like, like you could read as many books as you want. You, It's more effective to learn. You need workplace experience. In, in, yeah, you need workplace yeah. experience. Where do you get that neuroscience experience? I mean, it's not like you're going to go to college in the wasteland. Yeah. Probably, um, if they did go to a college, it's probably the same school that all the writers for Fallout 4 went to. Hi-oh! Uh, after oh. viewing Kellogg's memories, which is the best fucking part of this game. Oh, that part is so cool. It's so... There's a part, and I've talked about this on here before, there's a part where it shows Kellogg and his mom... And I want to say outside of the window is the Golden Gate Bridge. And I'm probably wrong because yeah, I think that's Can I correct scene. you, actually? Yes, please. So the scene where the um, the Golden Gate Bridge is out the window is actually when Kellogg is in San Francisco or whatever with his wife and daughter. And they're talking okay, about I'm... how they just moved there. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, but I remember, I'm not sure what part of the NCR he's originally from. Uh, Big Boy Connie here, Mr. Frosted Flakes. But when it shows him and his mom, he's in pajamas, like playing on a bed with something, and his mom's sitting next to him. You can hear the radio talking about the NCR. And there's a scene where you get to like walk around his memories where you can hear his dad be like, Where the fuck are my boots? I'm going out. And um, you go over to the door and it just says dad. It doesn't say door. Yeah. It doesn't say the event. It just says I dad. I remember that. And yep. I remember thinking that was so fucking powerful that he has so repressed his father that he has just reduced his father down to a speaking door. And I thought that was really intense. Mm-hmm. The best fucking part of the game. It really, really is. And to to, to see him kind of relive his life and get a deeper appreciation and then once you have the fucking piece of him inside of nick nick talks through him and then just never does it again i know yeah right? I that's so weird like, like were you foreshadowing something i was like oh shit this is gonna come back like this is going yeah, to like, come back where rick where nick gets um like the red eyes for a sec i do his eyes change 
I thought they do. His eyes don't change that I remember, but he just is well, like, hope he got you were looking for inside my head. Dude, even if it was an optional thing where if you took him to the Institute, he would turn back into Kellogg and be like, oh, shit, we're home. Or even this, you turn on the Institute and then he turns into Kellogg Nick. And if you don't have a high enough charisma, you have to talk. You can't talk Nick <sighs> back out of Kellogg. All right, wait, let's let's headcanon things sorry, after we sorry. talk about that. You're right. You're correct. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because we're almost done. We're, there's only like, what, three more little sections uh yeah sorry 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 after viewing no, no, kellogg's memory the player character is tasked to go to the glowing sea the ground zero of the nuclear blast during the intro sequence to find brian virgil an ex-institute scientist who specializes in research researching the forced evolutionary virus who escaped and has gone into hiding um to get help in infiltrator infiltrate say it for me Infiltrate. Infiltrating, thank you. The shadowy yes. organization. Uh, organization. Vigil. Vig, ver, shout out to Vigil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to Virgil. Vir, Virgil, now mutated into a super mutant by prolonged FEV exposure, mentions that the player must... FEV exposure. Mentions that the player must kill an Institute Courser, one of the most advanced creations in the Institute designed to be stronger, faster, smarter, harder, better, faster, stronger than average human beings to get a special chip from it in order to access the Institute. Once the chip is retrieved, the player character is directed to find the Railroad, a secret organization that works to free synths from the Institute. And give them a normal life out there in the Commonwealth. Since only one of its members, Tinker Tom, can decode the chip and get the frequency code used by the Institute to teleport. The player character then heads back to Virgil, who gives them a blueprint of a device that hijacks the frequency of the Institute's molecular relay. After retrieving the blueprints, the survivor must seek assistance from one of three factions. The Minutemen, the Railroad, and the BOS. Once the device is built, the player POS, character... more like POS. <laughs> Once the device is built, the player character infiltrates the Institute, finds their son, and after finding a synth-based young man named Sean... I'm sorry, to find their son, then finds a synth-based young man named Sean, it is revealed that the real Sean was kidnapped in 2227, 60 years prior to the sole survivor's release from cryogenic sleep and is now an old man who goes by father as well as the current director of the institute from now on the sole survivor faces a choice that will significantly affect the commonwealth and its people they can work against sean by assisting one of the factions the railroad in destroying the institute and liberating the synths, the brotherhood of steel to exterminate all synths along with the the execute along with the institute the Minutemen, in destroying the Institute and the Brotherhood of Steel, if made hostile to the player character, protect the and to protect the Commonwealth. Alternatively, they can side with Sean and help the Institute secure the Commonwealth by destroying the Railroad and the Brotherhood of Steel. The Minutemen can persuade to ally with the Institute after a few difficult speech checks. Any of the four choices result in Sean's death. This being due to either the cancer he had developed or killing your own child, which should have been more effective, should have been more salient. And at the yeah, end... I never really, like, remembered that he had cancer. Yeah. You sit down at a board meeting and he's like, I'm dying to death. 
And everyone's like, you no. need to be the new Institute father. Yeah. Like, Which I want to talk about that in a minute because Chris and I have – we were talking about a theory we both had. At the very end, the synth child, Sean, will refer to the sole survivor as a parent and asks them – if he can go live with them anywhere in the Commonwealth to be family. If the sole survivor agrees, the synth child then gives the player character a hollow tape from the real Sean with a message that differs depending on the, the player character's sides with the Institute or not. In the hollow tape, the real Sean tells his parents that he wishes they would give the synth child a chance to live as a family. Since Sean himself has never had a chance to live with a soul survivor, the soul survivor then contemplates the events that transpired and says that this isn't the world I wanted, but it's the one I found myself in, says a voiced protagonist, and that they are now ready for anything that comes my way because they know that war, war never changes. <sighs> Look at that. Can you believe yeah. that Fallout 4 is happening over there? That's like the level of writing in this fucking... All right. So... Uh, <sighs> Come on, Fallout 4. <laughs> there, there's some I notes wanted, here. I wanted Fallout 4 to be better. This I can only imagine like the feelings I have for Fallout 4 is like what happens when your kid comes home and is like, I'm going to go get a liberal arts degree. Like, <laughs> Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> You know how I feel about Fallout 4? How do you feel about you know, Fallout 4? It's it's just it's it's not the game I wanted, but <laughs> it was the one I found myself in. <laughs> Todd, Todd never changes. God damn. Do you want to hear some some notes, some little fun facts real quick? You can give me some tidbits. The Lone Wanderer from Fallout 3 and the Soul Survivor is seen being accompanied by a dog in the promotional material for the game, which I believe is the only time that they are seen accompanied by anything, anyone, any person, any living being. I think it would have been more appropriate for it to be um, Cogsworth. Maybe. Because, like, Fallout 3 had the dog. Mm -hmm. New Vegas was... um, was the NCR Ranger armor. Mm-hmm. And since, like, Fallout 4 kind of, like, focuses more on, like, tech and stuff, I feel like it would have been better to have it as being a robot. You know, to be completely honest with you, you know that, you know that, um, Chris, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about, that really high-res render of the of the synth that has, like, half the face blown off? Yeah. That should have been the cover of Fallout 4. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, like the yeah. one in the art book. Yeah, yep. it shouldn't have been... Hold on, I have my copy right here. Here's my steel book that I spent money on. This it shouldn't have been a Brotherhood. Um, it shouldn't have been a Brotherhood uh, 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 power armor. It shouldn't have been T60. It shouldn't have been. It should have been that high res render of a synth because this implies you're going to go with the Brotherhood. This implies that the Brotherhood is the correct ending. It would have been cooler. I mean, this is kind of cheesy, but like maybe literally like split the screen in half so like half of it's a synth face, half of it's a power armor helmet. Something like if I think that synth head because I got why they did it with three. Three was more of a reference to the early games, um, mm-hmm. especially Fallout One, and uh, Fallout Two was a was a tribal version of power armor. So it almost kind of mirrored how it should have been with three. If if, if they were paying homage to that, the the next one being the desert wasteland game that it was, you have the the Mojave Ranger outfit, so it fit. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is just... I mean, my copy... Let me see my copy of 76 while we're here. Fuck it. Here's my other steel book. It's... Like, th- this is the tricentenary edition, and it's just... Or the uh, tricentennial, maybe? Whatever. I don't fucking know. Words. 300 years. Uh, for 76. And I don't know what the... I don't... I. I think the other one just looks like the 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 game itself. It just looks like a Vault seventy six logo. Like it doesn't have anything special. But like at least that that tells you more about the game from the cover. Like this, the themes of Americana are here. Where mm-hmm. when you have like just the Vault logo, it it shows you, um, it shows you like oh okay we're leaving this Vault, and yeah. much like the game, the co- the cover has nothing. <laughs> So here's here's a here's a thing. The sole survivor is, regardless of gender, a recipient of classical education that has no inconsistency with pre-war history, meaning they are the only protagonist in the series who would be fully aware of historical flaws in the knowledge of other characters. This can be displayed when meeting Mo Corin, and he corrects him on what his idea of baseball is. Do you ever do that part? Yeah. I have, yes. Where he's like, yeah, swatters, you get inside of a ring, and then you beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why this is a note. Once the sole survivor's sex is chosen, the other will be the non-player character. Yeah. No shit. Duh. Cogsworth can refer to the player character by name, as Bethesda has recorded over a thousand popular names in the game that include both real names and joke names. Vince is not one of those names. Neither is Vincent. Um, I wonder if Olive is. It probably is. Vincent and Vinny are. Ugh, gross. I know. What the fuck? You couldn't drop the NT. Really? Come on, Emil. I'm not even going to say come on, Todd. Because Todd, he's just, he just not to fight. He's just like, yeah, do it. Um. Uh, Chris, did you use your name? Because Chris is one of them. Um, I actually, so... I, I think for like my, my first character and for a lot of characters afterwards, I actually use my middle names. So either Lee or Arnold. So oh, cool. Yeah, I got really used to hearing Codsworth say either Mr. Lee or Mr. Arnold. Those are, bo- <laughs> th- those are both very cool. Right? I like them. Come on, Mr. Arnold. Mr. Arnold. Monster. There's a lot of like funny ones. Mr. Fuckface. That's one of them. Nuke, Nova, North. Mr. Cor- Corvo is one of them. Because of, um... Yeah, because of Dishonored. Yeah. Is Dovahkiin one? Actually, they literally There's only two U names. What about Dovahkiin? No. Well. Alright, let me get through the last couple of these real quick. Yeah, go ahead. According to dialogue from Jack Cabot and their past accomplishments in the pre-war, the sole survivor's birth date is reasonably anywhere between the 2040s and the 2050s. Which, whatever. I mean, you had a birthday in Fallout 3. But you didn't, you weren't voiced. (laughs) He's the only player character to ever have lived in the pre-war era. In Far Harmor, Dima questions the soul survi- if the soul survivor is really a synth instead of a human. The response can vary from complete denial to humble acceptance of a possible truth. We're going to talk about that later. 
The Soul Survivor's title is technically incorrect. Sean also left the vault alive. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's really funny. I never even thought of that. I can just picture like a team of writers. Um, excuse me, Emil. Um, yeah, the Soul Sean left as well. Uh, I don't give a fuck. Copy the ending of Fallout 3. (laughs) There's another one. Another one. During dialogue options with Roger Warwick, the sole survivor can reveal that they grew up in the Boston area. That's another thing. If I'm from Boston, how come I don't talk like a fucking shout ahead? You know what I mean? (laughs) Wait, wait, can we we get your Boston accent again, please? Why don't I talk like I'm a wicked smart re- you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> how, how, come, like I, how come I don't have a dumb fucking accent of these w- shitty water people? Why are you just um, voiced as Peter Griffin? <laughs> like, fucking there's three characters in the game that, that sound like they're actually from Boston. And I get it. It's 200 yeah. years of travel and civilization died. But, like, the accent would still be there some somewhere. The, the yeah, the white... only characters that actually sound like they're Boston are, like, the ones at, like, the tap house, like, in that area. Dude, fucking, um, what are the tribes from Honest Hearts? The, the Dead Horses and the Sorrows. Legs the White Legs something? are the bad guys. The Dead Horses yeah. and the Sorrows. They even talk to you with, like, some weird, like, tribal, like, Auslander. Like, they have their own like words and like you there's actually a culture that they had thought of to in to like put into the game this is just like yeah i'm gonna fucking i don't even boston uh the fucking go i suck. live in boston fuck you like MIT, the fuck <laughs> fucking really enunciate those vowels i tell push you those vowels right through your nose fucking the last good president we had was Kennedy. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> like why? Like why is there no like? There's I, there's like a couple fat dudes with mustaches that sound like they're from Boston. How come there's not? Right, hold more up, of hold it? up, hold up. Are are we officially out of the lore? Um, hold on. Because I think we're already into um, uh, Vince's bitching hour. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this, that hasn't been the whole thing. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me just give a quick look. See. So there's something here. When when you're uh, when you interact with the dog ball in the beginning of the game, the soul survivor say you're never gonna find that dog. Implying the soul survivor owned a dog before the Great War. Aww. Oh, uh, dialogue. This is when I never fucking dialogue between the soul survivor and their spouse reveals that Sean was conceived after two had sex at a park. When Nate suggests going to the oh, park, I knew that. You knew this? Yeah. 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 When Nate suggests going to the park, Nora responds with, oh, right, the park with you because I want to get pregnant again. So, you know. Just, you know, just just do it on the bench. Yeah, and if, if you're, if you're the Do you remember male. the bench dance, Chris? What? Do you remember the bench dance? The bench dance? Yeah. What? That like almost right. rings a Middle bell. Middle school time. Like, there was a what? rumor that a girl we went to school with. She was younger than you. She was. She she a girl we went to school with had sex with a dude on a bench. It's like middle school, maybe maybe high school rumor. And like we made a dance. I made a dance. Somebody made a dance because we couldn't get over the idea of someone having sex at the park. We're like you couldn't you couldn't find like a a car 
to jump in. Like you couldn't just wait till your parents left. And like we made it. You don't remember this? It had to have been like no. cold and like splinters. Like why would you do that? And you're they were like 13 at the time. Like it probably didn't happen. It was probably a rumor that got started to make someone look bad. But I remember Ooh. just being baffled by the idea of like being in a park. Like why would you be in the park? Like you're gonna get ants. <laughs> like you're gonna get mulch in your butt. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? Like what are you in the fucking merry-go-round? Whatever. The 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 <laughs> monkey bars. The the plastic swirly slide. Like <laughs> the gazebo. I know a guy who got married in that gazebo. All right. Let's. I think we're done. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Now we're here for uh, Vince's bitching hour, where okay. Chris can. Uh, can refute his claims. Um, is, is that what I'm I here to, to do? Back and forth. What's that, Chris? Is that what I'm here to do? Is refute your well, no. flames? We're or here to talk about refute your claims. I say refute your flames. You can. <laughs> Sorry. I think that's. I think that's lore. So clip it here, me. Yeah. Okay. Why the fuck doesn't anybody sound like they're from Boston? I don't know, dude. Why don't the ghouls sound like they're from Boston? What would a ghoul, like, a, a ghoulish groan, how can that be sound Bostonian? Can uh, you give me that? You're going to challenge me, and I'm going to take it. Um, do it. I told. Hold on. I, I don't want to. I'm going to just cop out and go with Kennedy, but, like, I told that lady at the store, like, <laughs> <laughs> I need Jet. It's all I need. Jet. Maybe a little psycho here and there. Remember we used to hey, drive um, cars. Hey, like, I, hey I, Mr. Ghoul, what, what kind of uh, what kind of pants are you wearing? <laughs> uh, I was I'm wearing khakis. Is that what you're going for? Yeah, yeah. Um, and hey, what, what's khakis. that? Uh, what's that in your pocket? They're yeah, my khakis. Yeah, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, fuck Boston. Fuck that entire. Fuck all of Massachusetts. Shout out the UK. Oh, don't don't bring the rest of Massachusetts. Nah, fuck all of Massachusetts, dude. Fuck Plymouth Rock. Shout out Planet Rock. <laughs> Chris, we've had this conversation a billion times. You're a synth, right? So, I mean, the thing is, like, it, there's, I don't think there's a simple answer because I think that with Fallout Four, it's like. Even though there's a voice protagonist, I think that um, the game does actually offer some, if, uh, even though it's not much, there is some open-endedness, if you will, for you to, like, build your character. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, I know, like, when I like I when I when first played the game, I got, like, the full edition with all the DLC and stuff. And, uh, you know, the character, like, I was frustrated, too. You know, I had this you know, voice, you know, it seemed like a lot of my backstory was already made for me. So how can this really be, you know, my classic Fallout RPG? It seems like everything's so, you know, spelled out who I am, you know, what I am, you know, it's almost like, you know, it would, it's hard for me to like, you know, think of me being too straying too far off of this path that the game had already laid out for me. And for me, what really brought the whole game together was when I went to Far Harbor and when Dima asked about, you know, do you think you're a synth? And I thought, like, you know, it was kind of like a funny, like, weird question. I was, of course, playing the game, you know, my first time I played kind of as myself. I was like, well, of, of course not. I mean, you know, I'm pre-war. You know, this is what happened to me. And then he says, you know, what's the last thing you remember? And I remember, like seeing those 
those infamous four dialogue options because you can never have more than four. It's just four mm-hmm. freaking dialogue options. Do you know what they all mean? Yes. Yes. No. Um. Sarcastic slash other or question. Yeah. It's yes. No. Go on. Yeah. Yes. Go on. And funny. Yes. <laughs> funny. Yes. So here's the I thing. I usually would do funny. Yes. That's my, that was my like nickname a... in high school. I got to write that. <laughs> funny. Yes. <laughs> funny. Yes. <laughs> wicked. Yes. <laughs> I got to take a wicked. wicked yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways um so when i was playing far harbor and that part happened you know i kind of almost re- felt like i literally paused the game because i felt like it had, it had made sense why the game i almost my character felt trapped you know what i mean because yeah um you know the idea of like the, you know the main conflict of the game basically being like you know this you know like AI, basically, you know, what, you know, uh, there was a sci-fi short story that I read called, I think, uh, do androids dream of electric sheep, you know, Blade Runner, that type of science fiction, mm. you know, do toasters have feelings like that type of deal. So I thought hey, that it really, bitch. for me, made like the game start to make sense when I got this idea of what if you are actually a synth and that's why, you know, or at least this was for me what helped me to make the game make sense is maybe that's why my character is voice. Maybe that's why, you know, the game feels so, you know, so much is set up. It's kind of like, and I feel bad comparing a game like Fallout 4 to such a great masterpiece, but I'm going to compare it to New Vegas for a second. With okay. New Vegas, um, you know... It's a great beginning. It's so open-ended. You're shot in the head. You're. Do you remember stuff? I don't know. It's up to you. Like your whole backstory is very much up to you. At the same time, you do have a backstory as the courier. You know, um, there's dialogue options but in Lonesome. The courier is like so ambiguous. Right. Yes and no. You, you kinda, never let you like play. No, you've never you played. Play um, you've never played Lonesome Road. You're right. That's. Oh, I was going to say, I can, I can say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause Lonesome, that's, that's where most of it is actually, is yeah, the stuff that talks about your main character. Me about Lonesome Road. There's actual dialogue options, I believe, in Lonesome Road. Cause I've only played through it twice, I think. And, um, yeah, you can say things like, oh, I've been to, you know, I know Vince, you've said that, you know, there was the one dialogue option we saw where you can talk about how you've been to Denver. You can talk about mm-hmm. how you've had interactions with Caesar's Legion, you know, um, the the but, Denver you know, like, option is quite literally talking to Ulysses, and he's like, he's like, uh, Kaiser has has everything, everything west of of Denver is under his control, including Denver or something. And your dialogue option is like, I've been there. It's nothing but dogs. So it's like, do do I have a backstory or not? Like, I get it. I was shot in the head, and I don't remember things. But right. like, and that's do the I thing. have one or not? What, a backstory? Well, that's the thing. I think that, like, you do, but it's so open-ended, and the way that I think New Vegas is structured, you have so much control over, like, choosing dialogue options to decide what it is, that Mm. you still, you have a lot of control. And I feel like this is another thing that I feel like is something that, like, I kind of have to talk about with, like, Fallout 4 and with Fallout New Vegas, is, like, these are both role-playing games, and that's why I love them, and I think Mm -hmm. that... 
a big important an important part of playing both of them for me is that ability for me to you know use my imagination to make the game my own you know to make each you, playthrough unique are you saying for for new vegas or for four i'm saying for both actually for, okay but but i want to just say one more thing before we because i feel like we're about to move to a different tangent if I can make my my backstory that I've been to Denver and I've done these other things, and I don't know this to be true or not, don't hide them behind skill checks. Yeah, I agree with that actually. Like, don't yeah. make it where I really do. Like, don't make it where I don't have a high enough explosive, so I don't know that Arroyo is part of what was at one point Oregon, or I don't know that what was once Seattle is now frozen over. Like. I didn't because know, wait, because I didn't there, have enough medicine. I actually did not know that there were dialogue options I, that were I don't structured like that. I thought I'm, that I'm, they were all based off of just actually. I don't even think they. Yeah, I don't even think they were charisma checks. I thought they were literal just dialogue options. I don't know if they are, and I'm not saying that they are, and I'm not condemning the game because of it. All I'm saying is, if there is an option to build your own lore up. And to say, like, I've done this, I've done that, this happened here, this happened there. Don't put it behind, a, like, a paywall, essentially, because I don't have a better term for it. Don't put it behind yeah. a wall of, uh, well, if you want to hear this option, see if you can come back to this to this dialogue and raise your science up by 10 points. And then come back, and then you can say that's part of your backstory. Because I was shot in the head. Maybe I was a you doctor shot before. shot in the head. <laughs> like, twice. Not once, but twice. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. I agree between. with you, Chris. So, so, as you were saying, I'm sorry. About what? Where was I? About, you were saying about your imagination and being able to build things up and... Yeah, so like, like, yeah, so, I mean, what your backstory is for New Vegas or for Fallout 4 is, you know, completely up to you. Like, you know, with what happened in Far Harbor, to me, it's like, you know, this opened the possibility of, okay, what if I am a synth? And if I were a synth... To me, that's like the big question that has helped mm-hmm. me get so much playability out of the game is if your character is a synth, who made you? Why? What's your purpose? And, you know, to me, I've tried to like look up things about the game. And unless you, y'all know something that I do not, um, you know, they, there's not much known about like, you know, if you are a synth or not, it's all just like speculation. But to me, you know, it just, there were just so many things in the game that made sense to me that, you know, I was able, to, I, I've been able to play the game. Like I played the game one time through, you know, saying that, pr- like, you know, pretending that I'm like, maybe I was a synth made, you know, to further the Institute. So I go with an Institute quest line or, you know, um, I wish that they had talked uh, more about the possibility of you being a synth without the DLC. Like, I really wish that they that would have been more of a part of the Institute storyline. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and I don't want you guys to think that I'm making a big old meme. No, no, go ahead. It's because of a voice protagonist. And. Okay, continue. No, seriously, because it's restrictive. You're given four options. Three of them are yes. 
I've been playing New Vegas on stream. You have a conversation with somebody, like even if it's a minor conversation with somebody, like a, someone that maybe isn't a voiced N- NPC or, or I'm sorry, a named NPC, but maybe they are a, a named NPC. You have like a minimum of three options of dialogue. And those three options of dialogue are yes, no, tell me more information before I make my decision because you're not super essential to the story. You go talk to Kaisar. There are nine options you can take. I know. Yeah. Me like, talking me talking so to much out name. of the characters. Like the really the writing in New Vegas is just beautiful. And I said you this get, a million you get so times. much juice out of these characters. Absolutely. The I I love everything about New Vegas except for playing it. Because the base <laughs> game of New Vegas to me is so boring. Like the quest lines are, are they're the ba- the baseline quest lines are okay. The DLC I think are so much better, but just the slog of walking through the fucking desert just and, kills me. And <laughs> walking it's through the desert so, and, and Johnny guitar. <laughs> it's so well, boring. I don't even care about that. It's so boring until a Casador shows up. Yeah, exactly. But like that's what I liked about that's what I like about three. Way. And I I <laughs> want to talk more about four, but that's what I like about three is that like the idea of a destroyed city is so much more interesting visually than a desert. Because you can drive to the Mojave now and you can look at the Mojave in New Vegas, and the only difference is the scorpions are bigger. And the ants. Yeah, but like, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could go to DC. I've been to DC and I remember looking at these buildings going, Holy shit, I've been here. But I've seen them destroyed. Right, yeah. But, uh, hold on, sorry. Going back to 4, how you said about the the DLC kind of pulling this idea out. Um, I want to make a segment that I'm going to clip that we can put up as another video. Uh, call, I'm going to call it something like our Fallout 4 headcanon. Everybody, I want you to just kind of give me what your headcanon of what is happening in the game, because there is a lot that is left up to Ooh. interpretation, I, I think. There's a lot that is said and implied with the Brotherhood, with the Institute, with the Railroad, and then what you really think is going on, what's really happening. I personally, I'll start, I personally okay, do not think you were ever a real existing human. And that's why they gave you a voice. And it was one of those things that they tried to show and they just didn't. They just couldn't do it. I think that um, much like how Nick they took. And that's why I think they make you hang out with Nick and you you have to learn about how Nick has these memories of this cop from pre-war. Um, and his whole quest line of like, I got to find my girlfriend, see? Or whatever the fuck. And... <laughs> I think you were the memories of a soldier that they found or something. They inherited this body and they kind of built up this thing because there's no possible way that the blast that that nuke gives from that far away, you would have survived. He would so have been are you saying in- that the entirety of the opening of Fallout 4 is all in your robot mind palace? Yeah, it's not real. It's not real. Okay. And there was a video I watched that during the uh, cryogenic scene – uh, is the same filter they put on during the part where you go into Kellogg's brain. Now that could have just been to oh, like the the neurons. That could have been frugal animations. It yeah. probably is, absolutely, but it doesn't not help my case. Of course. So it's probably just just to save money, save time, obviously. But think about it like that. Here's this person who who. You, you leave the vault, and let's just say you're a Gen 4 synth, right? 
Mm-hmm. Gen three was you. The only way you could tell if they were a synth is you had to kill them and take a piece out of their brain. That's the only way you could tell they were a Gen three synth. You're a Gen four synth. You're so human that there's no way to tell if you die. And even if you do die, who knows? You're the first. And father knows that he's sick, and he said, "All right, release him." Because why wouldn't why if they know about one eleven and they know that it's cryogenic, like everybody else in there is dead. Like, were yeah. they test subjects? Were they the first people that they tried to work on? Is that where they got DNA from? Like, I know they got it from Father, but, like, a lot of it just seems too convenient. Mm-hmm. And I think it's supposed to put these these bits of self-doubt into it. I think, I, I, I think you're a synth. I think the whole time, it, you're the first synth with real free will. Because I think even Gen 3s can be turned off and on with a code. Mm-hmm. And like Gen yeah, and Gen Force can't. So I think that was the goal. Was Father was just kind of like, cool. I'll make the best synth ever made, and then when I die, I'll tell that synth he has to take over. But I'll let him decide if he wants to do it, and he will because I'm Father and I'm arrogant. And then you blow up the institute. Like I don't think. I don't know. I just don't I don't think that the story that you're given is real. I think that and I and I said this to Chris recently. Um I want to go back to the beginning of Fallout 4 and see where the skeletons are. Yeah. But I I've got a good I think I've got a decent headcanon. Okay. So mine it's kind of similar, but my headcanon is that you the player are actually a clone of father because he's trying to extend his life Mm -hmm. and uh he built you from his own dna and gave you the story that um that you're the uh you're the dad of um of sean where in actuality it's just his own personality duplicated into another body So almost is it a third generation synth though, or is it like this fourth generation synth idea, like Vince said? I'd say um I haven't really thought about that yet. Either um, one I'd is interesting. It's definitely definitely an artificial person, but um that the actual consciousness is just like a modified like a memory modified version of uh of father, um the leader of the institute, because he knows he has cancer. So he probably like just did a copy of his brain and he just put it in another skin suit and introduces this skin suit of uh, a main character to the Institute saying, hi, yes, I'm dying. Come take over where he's literally just giving himself the keys. Because mm. who else could he trust but himself? Yeah, that that's my headcanon. Mm. It's a little bit simple, but that that's what I think. God, how much time Chris, do we do, have? Do you have a big one? Uh, I mean, okay, so okay, 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 okay. We have okay, as much okay. time as you want, Chris. Okay, okay. We'll okay, have some editing. All right, guys. All right, guys. All right, guys. All right. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just go. Hit all us. Right. Hit us with it. All right. So here's what I think happened. So Institute needed like DNA, DNA, right, or whatever. So they took the baby from the the eleven thing. So they took the baby. They used the DNA. They make sense. Whoop de doo. So, father is, you know, 
at first he's kind of just this specimen to make the sense, but obviously he becomes father. He becomes leader of the Institute. He must be smart. He must contribute in some way. So my idea is that as he, you know, was becoming smarter and being seen as like somebody who could become like director or whatever, he's coming up with all these crazy ideas of like, you know, redefining mankind. That's the Institute's whole spiel is they're trying to redefine mankind so that it can continue forth. And their big thing is... Which is a noble goal, if you think about it. Yeah. And their big thing is it has to be done through the synths. Now, from what I can tell playing the game, third generation synths are basically just slaves. They're used for labor. Like, they're used for labor while the actual real human beings continue to live in luxury and reproduce. That's how mankind, quote-unquote, is redefined? Question mark? So, father... Growing up as a, as a scientist in the institute or whatever, gets this idea. He's like, he like talks to like the other higher ups. He's like, well, what if we like, uh, you know, what if we actually, you know, take this technology and we find a way to literally basically go to cloning to make sure that in case something happens above ground, we are better prepared and like we don't have to like, you know, so our genes can go on. You know, we can literally make sure mankind continues on even if like, you know, we don't exist. We can't like, you know, survive up there or whatever. So basically propose. Yeah, and that actually, that can kind of make a lot of sense, especially because like, if you're designing a whole new vessel for humanity, you can make it like radiation resistant. Exactly. You're basically, what it is, is gene modifying. So it also, this is the other cool thing and I you know, like this, about this gene, idea. Gene modification and designer babies are like a real thing. Right. And it's a thing and, that like, is like it's just controversial. on the of our actual science. Yeah. And it's controversial, which I love about it too, is that the game to me has so many controversial topics which makes the game interesting. So you, you have like this conflict of like, yeah, like, so a few scientists, very like the, just the top scientists get together and are like, okay, let's just talk about like, you know, we're scientists because that's what scientists do. You know, it goes too far. So they are like, they design like this fourth generation synth and the first version that they come up with is they actually they want to use um dna that is not sean's so they actually use the dna from sean's father who is still frozen sean's father i believe is a real okay. person so you who think existed. he's like a real person yes that was a real person that existed now exactly what happened i don't know we're talking about my head cannon my personal head cannon is they got him out of his pod the real let's say your player character for all intents and purposes for what i'm talking about his name is nate Nate is taken out okay. of the pod. The real Nate is taken out of the pod, brought to the Institute against his will. They sample his DNA, and they want to keep him alive, but unfortunately something goes wrong, and he has to be killed, basically. And they or he, like, use... he like dies under the knife or something. Yeah, like he tried to fight and escape, and they had to put him down. So they take the DNA from him and they basically create the first fourth generation synth and the only difference a fourth generation synth has from a third generation synth that I would think of is one the main one being they don't have a coarser like a, a chip in their brain if they have like anything in their brain that's artificial to like you know regulate their systems or whatever it like dematerializes over time from like the tissue or whatever because it's all organic so Ooh, there's that or main it could be thing. like nanobots right right it would some sciencey bullshit. It works. Yeah, some, and, some undetectable shit. And then yeah. the second big one being that um, these synths, these fourth generation synths, would um, age at a normal rate, 
and they could even be created as babies so that they would grow up at a normal rate because my logic Ooh. was when you see the third generation synth being made, they come out as like almost like adults. And I think that's because these synths are made to be slaves. They're not meant to be like people that you look at and love and make friends with. They're there for labor. So they come out as full grown adults mm-hmm. and they want them They're to be strong. That's what they they are, want them to be yeah. strong and they don't necessarily want them to get old quickly and die. They want them to stay young for a long time. So that's the second big changes that they age normally and the third one this is the big one that i think would bring up the, a big controversy is that a fourth generation synth is designed to be able to reproduce with their dna which is like completely untainted by radiation it's been like genetically modified in a lab to be like resistant to radiation to be like a perfect human being so to speak and that's you that is mm-hmm. your character then when that that experiment is made which is nate 2.0 the first fourth generation synth they make you and then Sean hides you by re-putting you in your cryo chamber, freezing you. You have the vague memories of a dead person that did once exist, but that is not you. The only reason you have the few memories you have, the reason that your only mm. memories in the memory den are before the bombs fall, the only reason that when you tell Dima what you remember is only what happened when the bombs fell or none your business is because... Those are the only faint, real memories you have are memories of a dead person that existed sure. once before. And that's also when Vince mentioned Nick Valentine. That is why I also think your character and Nick are like, you guys are best buddies because technically I think you two are like the same thing in a way. If that, if like my random headcanon, if it were the case, you and Nick are like the same thing because Nick had a, mm-hmm. re- had a person a real person that existed that is his whole personality, his whole being, but that's not him. And that's the point of your character. Hmm. You were designed to be like the perfect person and your father's like baby, main creation, even though you're his father, you're also his main baby. You know what I mean? And you're his father, but his, all right. Okay. Yeah. That's really fucky. That's crazy. And like his hope was when he froze you and that, like, if one day he unfroze you, that you would make the choice, and this was part of, like, almost like his, I think, like, a moral dilemma he had in his mind that he wanted to use you. Because he said it even at the top of CIT after um Bunker Hill, he talks about how you were an experiment of sorts. And I think mm-hmm. that it goes even further than that in that he wonders if you, a free will synth, will do the right thing in his mind. What is the right thing? Because in his mind, the right thing is yeah, for you what to is take... what is the right thing? In yeah. his mind, to take over the Institute and redo his reign. But that's the thing. As a player, what do you think is right? You know? Do you think Do you that, really have a choice, do you think that? Do you think that you are an abomination, that you, you being a synth is an abomination, and that you shouldn't have even been created in the first place, in which case you go brotherhood? Do you think that the Institute is wrong and you think that since all synths need to be freed and you go with the railroad? Do you think that, you know... So, basically your choice on how you end Fallout 4 is Father's Experiment? Yes. It's all That's about, really cool. It's all about Father's Experiment of, like, you're you're the first synthetically, but you... But that's the thing. You're trapped by the fact your old identity. That, to me, at least, also helps me, like, helps me 
sit okay with having limited dialogue options, having limited things to say, and having a voice. Having a voice that's like, you feel trapped. And I think that that, like, to me, like, fits with the character. You're trapped by an identity that's not your own because you are not human. And it kind of, like, helps you to sympathize, I think, with the other synths in the game. You know what I mean? If you love Blade Runner, yeah. if you love Blade Runner, like, I love Blade it's Runner. A, it's very Blade Runner-y. I love Blade Runner, so, like, obviously, I love Fallout 4. Like, just, it's concepts, it's conflicts, mm-hmm. it's it's awesome. So, I know I probably went a little over my time, but, you know. So, that's, no, no, that's my head No, no, absolutely fine idea, and I think that that's really an interesting take. I really like it. Yeah. It's, like, so, like... I've just based it off of, like, what little knowledge I've also gotten. Like, there's... I mean, I could go on and on about, like, little things. Like, mm-hmm. like I mentioned about the experiment. And they experiment. really could have leaned on that with, with Dima. They really could have uh, talked more about that. Yeah. That's a whole other thing, too, is, like, part of how I've, got like, gotten so much play in the game, like, hours out of the game, is there are definitely parts through the game that I've had to, like, you know, I kind of not, like, mute my TV, but I kind of, like, tune out what's going on to kind of, like, add in my own lore. You know what I mean? I love to do that. Yeah. That's what I do when I play No Man's Sky. I'm just thinking about, like, all right, who am I? I'm this lonely space explorer trying to survive in this star system. Right. So I'm, I, can, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think that, like... Hey, Chris. Pardon? Sorry, no, go ahead. I, I just think that, like, that's, like... Like, I've done that since I was young, like, about every video game, and I think that that's, like, you know, there's a funny balance between, like, RPGs of having, you know, this open-ended, you can make up whatever's go, you can make up what's going on, but I think when it's left, you know, when you have too much control and too many options, then it's kind of like you get lost, but then if you're kept Mm -hmm. in too narrow of a, you know, you know. Yeah, it's really towing the line of, uh, giving like too much and having a more watered down kind of like if you have too many options you're it's hard to maintain focus and if you don't have enough options you feel like you're being railroaded so it's finding it's towing the line finding <laughs> that middle railroaded railroaded yeah. i like i like the reference a wise man a wise man once told me he'd say he'd say freedom is having no choice What does that mean? Hell if I know. Do you know who else is a wise man, Chris? Who's a wise man, Olive? I'm going to say that it's Shane Ivers. If you've never heard of him, well, where have you been? Shane Ivers is the maker of our intro music. It's Feather Duster. If you want to get that, you can get it at www.silvermansounds.com slash free music slash Feather Duster. Hey, um, Chris... Do you have any like social media you want to plug or anything? Because we've got some of those. Uh, you know what? You can say no if you don't want to. You know what? Actually, um, I have a Twitter. I I, I do have a Twitter, and if you want to give it a follow, you are you are perfectly uh allowed to. It is America. You can do that. It is um yeah, Chris Boyd. That is a Y E A, Chris Boyd. Give cool. you boy to follow. I'll link that in the description. Give you boy to follow, if you if Give if your boy if, to if you would like to. 
If you want to follow us, you can find us at Atomic Radio Hour. You can find us all over the internet. You can get us on Twitter. But I think the best place to get a hold of us is on Discord. Uh, join our Discord for a bunch of fun. We have game nights. We have, like, movie nights. We just talk about Fallout. We talk about art. Chris, you're in the Discord. You know all about it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know all about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course you do. Um, but if you want to show your support for us beyond above and beyond you can support our red bubble we've got shirts and hats and coffee mugs and clocks and duvets anything you want we're probably gonna have some new designs up soon whenever i can fully remove my head from out of my ass to make them <laughs> um but if you want to go even more above and beyond you can support our patreon We've got some people to thank, because Patreon is how we keep this show afloat. We recently just paid in our year of our podcasting service, and that was made possible entirely by you guys. So I have to big give a big warm thank you to Noah. Thank you, Noah. Oh, thanks, Chris. Um, we also have Gage, but twice. Thank you, Gage, twice. Thanks twice, one for the Discord and one for our Patreon. It's because of you that we can do like streaming and other cool stuff. So thanks for supporting us. Thank you, thank Next you. Next up is Jordan with a Y. Thank you, Jordan with a Y. And we also have Danny. Thank you, Danny. And Marcus. Yo, thank you, Marcus. Thanks so much, guys. It's because of you that we can make this show uh, happen. Uh, did I miss anything? Um, other stuff going on on our channel. We've got a new episode of Atomic Tabletop coming soon. Uh, that's when I do it. Um, and we have a new episode of Lizard Brains that just went, went out. That's a Vince's, uh, new project where he talks about Godzilla. And, uh, they're, uh, him and his partner Marcus are just going through all the movies. All his co-host. I shouldn't say partner. Um, have you, uh, gave a listen to Lizard Brains, Chris? I have not yet. I have to. Are you a Godzilla fan? I am a fig of a fan of big lizards in backyards. Um, so yes, you could say that. Well, I'm not. I don't think we have anything else to to go over. Um, I'll I'll leave a little spot right here for Vince to put in something that he might have to say. Hey guys, sorry to give up. Like I needed to buy cigarettes. I got a call from Bentley. Dude was talking all kinds of wild shit. Says he has physical proof that Kyle is the one and only cookie thief. Anyway, thanks for watching and supporting us. My Rafflecopter goes swaswas. But until next time. Bye Kyle. Bye Kyle. Alright. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. A Gulman Entertainment Production.